Hi, everybody. This is a podcast where real medical professionals discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you didn't let the Wookiee win, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as The Captain's Chair Expert, where I talk to Starfleet's best and brightest about no. things I know nothing about. No. <laughs> uh, this is Hi, Everybody, a bad medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. Uh, this is our special holiday episode being recorded a couple days before Christmas. Yep. You should be getting it Christmas Eve. Uh, you can oh. find this podcast online at Hi, Everybody, MD. Or uh, on all of our social media channels, which are basically Hi Everybody MD everywhere that matters. Are you talking about HiEverybodyMD.com? HiEverybodyMD.com, HiEverybodyMD Libsyn. All all the Hi Everybody MDs? Yeah. And then you can also call us at 530-DOCTORB. I think this week the B will stand for bone marrow. The B can stand for bone marrow or boxes of presents. Sure. Uh, This is uh, our holiday episode where we are going to be talking about a holiday episode of House. Yep. Um, I was trying to find a good Christmas-themed medical episode to watch this week, and I think a good one would be the season two episode called Deception. Mm -hmm. Um, And it all starts, like, where everyone should spend Christmas, um, which is at an uh, OTB, which is an off-track betting site. Yeah, it's it's a gambling parlor for horses. Yeah, it's where you would go if you lived in, I don't know, like, let's say Ohio, and you wanted to bet on ponies in California. Right. That's how you would do it. But House goes there and then meets this nice lady there, who gave him some betting advice, but he didn't want to take it. And then she promptly had a seizure afterward. Right. So my first question <clears throat> on this, mm-hmm. House was at the bar. He's a doctor. Not a bar. Not a bar. Yeah. At the betting parlor. Yeah. Uh, he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. He sees somebody having a seizure. Mm-hmm. He wants nothing to do with it. I mean, I will not lie. There are times when I will see stuff and I go, I really don't want anything to do with it. Like when I'm on a plane... And someone asks for a doctor, I really hope someone else raises their hands first and mm-hmm. not me. But him, he knows he's probably the only doctor in there. And he willingly ignored the lady having a seizure until he noticed like a weird bruise on her. Until he got interested and then continued to ignore her but said, send her to this doctor. Correct. Who happens to be him. Yeah. And I think it was funny because that lady started having a seizure and the guy immediately jumps on her abdomen, like straddles her, mm-hmm. and then tries to give her CPR. Right. Gives her CPR. Really bad CPR. Yeah. But which, which is good medicine in that people think they know how to do CPR yeah. and they really don't. And here's the thing. I'll, that's a really common thing that um, I will see is that we had one patient I remembered. Um, this kid had a febrile seizure, which just the, the temperature went up too quickly and the kid brain got all confused and then the kid had a seizure and the paramedics started doing cpr on the kid even though the baby is crying and was still doing cpr on this baby wow yeah and you can't really be dead and need cpr if you're crying because if you need cpr it's because your heart has stopped crying yeah so the fact that they're crying means there's still circulation but the they continue to do it all the way into like the trauma room mm-hmm. like you gotta stop like this is not the baby's not seizing anymore the baby's crying we're good but they would still do cpr and then it kind of brought up to the next point where the guy goes well what should we hold the person's tongue mm-hmm. while they're having a seizure and that is the best way to get your fingers bitten off because they are clenched down so basically what a seizure is is they're flexing relaxing flexing relaxing at a repeated mo like repeatedly 
So if you can imagine that with your jaw and your clenched, if you put your finger in there trying to hold the tongue, A, your fingers are going to get bitten off, or B, the person's tongue's going to get bitten. Right, and it's not because they have no control over it. Yeah. It is much stronger than you would bite down yourself. Correct, and it's real. And I think the reasoning is people go, we need to hold the tongue because they're going to swallow their tongue. That is impossible. The tongue might obstruct, but you can't really swallow from the tip of the tongue going all the way back and to the point where you choke. Right. Yeah. Uh, everyone, if you want to take a moment to do that now, if you're not driving. Like, um, I mean, think about it. Like, try to put your tongue to the roof of your mouth and then try to make that go further back. It's really, really hard, especially if you're tongue-tied, too. Then mm-hmm. it's just anchored down even more. So the whole myth of holding your tongue so that you don't swallow it is it's pretty debunked right now. So all sorts of bad Bad medicine happening there. But it wasn't, it wasn't Act, House's right. fault. It was just uh, well, the Well, it was damage. House's fault because he yeah. didn't say, you know, that's a great way to lose a thumb. He did kind of say, like, if you want your bit, your finger bitten off, then hold her tongue. Okay. But it's it's a very, like, this kind of addressed a lot of bystander medicine that people aren't, like, aware of mm-hmm. or what to do in a case with a seizure. Because it's scary. It's like the, you can't tell someone to stop. You can't hold them and make them stop. They just go. Right. And you can't have any control over it. So really the safest thing to do is just make sure they're still breathing. And that's like the most important thing you can do, at least when you're outside of the hospital. So they got her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And first thing I noticed, this is the first time I've watched House since we started doing this podcast. Okay. And, I, and probably since we started hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, they were throwing around abbreviations left and right. Yeah. Every, like everything... Was uh, it's Cushing? So let's do an SLE and a DIC and so, and an LP. So they deter- they were saying the differential diagnosis was either Cushing's or SLE. Mm-hmm. Um, SLE means systemic lupus erythro. I can't say I can never say the word correctly, um, but it's lupus, mm-hmm. which is the common joke of house. Right, everything is lupus. Um, they said the patient might have alcohol withdrawal, causing them to have DIC, which is um, a type of coagulopathy, so disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. I'm going to sound really stupid. But I just called both of those tests, so yeah. you sound a lot smarter so than me. So DIC is an illness, which happens where your blood just starts um, clotting or having difficulty clotting and you're bleeding and you're having um, widespread bruising and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that actually is actually an end-stage kind of situation where you you will die with that. Um, they tossed out ACTH, which is um, a type of hormone. Mm-hmm. And then they tossed out the word LP, which is a lumbar puncture, and then an MRI. Right. I mean, you should know what that, that is. One, that one I know. But they were blaming a lot of that stuff where they said, oh, this patient was withdrawing from alcohol, so that's why she got the bruising because she has DIC. Um and that can cause weird clotting and bleeding at the same time. So they wanted to use heparin, which doesn't sound right because if she was going through withdrawals, she would continue to have seizures and then she would have the shakes too, mm-hmm. right? And there was at no point did we see this patient have the shakes. So one less thing to worry about. Because she was sitting there pretty coherent yeah. and kind of talking correctly. Um, they said, maybe it's trauma. And I think if I saw a patient like that with seizures and then bruising on her body, that's the first thing I would think about. As an ER doctor kind of person. Was, it was that the bruising was trauma from the seizures or that the seizures were caused by like a head trauma? Like a head trauma. Like okay. a jealous boyfriend that punched her a bunch of times and then hit her in the head and then she dropped and had a seizure. So that would have been my first mm-hmm. call. But, you know, I work in the emergency department. I think everything is trauma and I don't believe everybody when they say stuff. Kind of like house. Kind of like house. Yeah. 
But then the crazy part is they ask for a lumbar puncture, which if you have never seen one before, it's basically just putting a needle in someone's back um, to, to get collect, spinal fluid. To collect spinal fluid. But you don't want to do it in someone with low blood cell uh, or platelet count. And mm-hmm. that's what they mentioned, that the patient had a platelet count of 89, which is way below the number that I would feel comfortable putting a needle in someone's back. Why because, is that? Because if you put a needle in someone's back and they can't clot, because what, that's what platelets do, Okay. Right? You're essentially bleeding into that space, and it's not going to stop. So it can actually fill, it can either fill up your spinal canal, fill up on the back, cause a hematoma. You might nick a vessel somewhere that you don't want to nick, and that's really a big um, kind of, I guess, complication of doing a lumbar puncture. Is you're doing it blind. You're doing a lot of it by feel. So you can't really see those blood vessels. So you're trying to guide the needle in, in between um, your vertebrae, and trying to put it straight through there without hitting anything else. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hit nerves because you're going way below, though House's entry was very high. But that he was doing that intentionally to be a bad doctor. I don't know if he was or not. Um, I think he was I think he was being a little bit of a dick. As, as a, in this episode, uh, Foreman, one of his uh, subordinates, subordinates yeah. uh, gets put in charge for, for three weeks. Yeah, because how screwed up. Yeah, and but putting the needle in high is really dangerous because that's actually how you get spinal damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I remembered in residency, I was supervising um, an intern, and this I asked him like, "Have you done a lumbar puncture before?" They're like, "Yeah, I know how to do it. Super easy." Went right in the middle of the spine, like up near where your heart and your lungs are, and the minute he put it through the skin, I just smacked his hand and said, "You're done. Get out. Like, don't pretend you know how to do something." That you don't know how to do because you can actually kill the patient. So, uh-huh. Or not kill, but at least seriously maim. And I actually had to kick that resident out of the room for a while. Going back to us talking about the resident with the it's my first day intern yeah. doing, a, doing a code. This was like towards the end of the first year. So they should have known how to do a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff and clearly did not. So that was really scary. But he poked her like eight times too. If you want to go back to what House did. I stop after like three or four you basically say that i'm not going to get anything from this one correct so yeah and then as they poke her her heart or her blood pressure goes up she goes into a hypertensive crisis hypertensive crisis meaning super high blood pressure very high blood pressure. okay and the, con- the concern with that is let's say you had so much pressure in a system and it's a closed system something has to give right so the like biggest- balloon and then something bad happens correct and then that's the big concern is you might burst a vessel Mm-hmm. Where you burst that vessel is a big concern because it could be in your brain, it could be in your like the rest of your body. Who knows where it's going to burst? But the biggest concern is that you're going to stroke out, mm-hmm. and that's that's why they stopped. And I don't know, spoiler alert, if she gave herself medicine to cause that, but they all hang their hat on Cushing still, right? Yeah. Um, well, they said that th- that she did give her medicines to cause the Cushing's like symptoms. Yes, I don't remember hearing which medicine it was. Wasn't that the ACTH? ATCH or ACTH? Yeah, yeah, but we never knew where that came from. You actually have to inject that. Into yeah, well, that she injected it into her pancreas, and that's why there was the scarring. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that explains the weird CT that they got, mm-hmm. which I've never seen a CT scan like that before. So explain the. So what was so weird about it? There were projections of her organs onto her abdomen. But it was like oh, I, I, I must. I don't know if you saw that, but that. like, so she went through the thing, and they did cross-sectional images on her like abdomen and it's in two different axes so she's lying so they, horizontal so while they were getting her ct scan they were projecting her ct scan onto her correct 
That's crazy. That makes that, that, no sense. That's amazing science. I wrote down, weirdest CT scan ever. What the hell is going on? <laughs> and then it said she had a mass on her pancreas. And the patient was very nonplussed about it. Yeah, I, I should have known that was a clue to the rest of the episode. Um, she just didn't care. And then mm-hmm. they did a biopsy on her with an ultrasound-guided biopsy. But they didn't have... The probe on her belly. Right. At all. There was just an empty belly. And then they took the biggest pole. It looked like a, like a lance. Mm-hmm. And just jammed in straight down. No guy. I mean, the whole point of an ultrasound-guided biopsy is to actually know where you're going and they're like "Ah, good enough yeah bam this ultrasound has helped us find her stomach correct her pancreas is there somewhere Mm -hmm. let's get stabby yeah and they really did and they stabbed there and then i didn't even see how they tried to retrieve it they just straight up stabbed it and then there's no blood nothing like that Mm -hmm. they cut to the next scene of him being in clinic yeah um i do want to talk about that scene in the clinic Mm. because um Mm. Seems like something you might encounter. Um, so yeah, you can set that one up. <laughs> so he, there was a teenage, probably teenage girl or yeah. college age girl woman uh, in there for a gynecological exam. Correct. And she's her her boyfriend doesn't like rubbers, so she's been using the jelly, which uh, which it, it, presumably a birth control jelly, except yes. for it was Smuckers. It was, and that was. The worst scene I saw in that episode, considering the rest of it, it was just strawberry jam mm-hmm. that she used as contraceptive jelly. And I wish that wasn't such a weird comment because there are very many stories like that in my career. Mm-hmm. But good lord, that is horrendous. Yeah, so I feel but, like he runs into the dumbest clinic patients on earth. Do you, would you, would that be something that you might actually encounter? Oh yeah. Second question. Mm-hmm. Do teenagers and college students still use the term rubbers? Because I haven't heard that since, like... No. I don't think I've ever... Sex ed videos that were 10 years old when I was in sex ed. Even when I ask patients if they use any contraceptions, they never say the word rubbers. They'll just straight up use the word condoms because it's not a taboo word anymore. But this clearly was an episode written by some, like, 50 or 60-year-old, like, man who didn't know what they were doing. Because the, the follow-up scene, or the follow-up part to that episode, was the whiff test. Yes. So uh, House determined that this was a, uh, a vaginosis. Correct. Bacterial uh, vaginosis. A bacterial vaginosis. Mm-hmm. And he knew it by smelling. Yep. Um, which, you, reasonable. Okay, so the true way you do the whiff test, like sometimes you do get the fishy smell, but really, you apply, you add a potassium hydroxide into mm-hmm. it, so KOH, and then you actually diagnose it by putting your nose to the test tube and waving your finger to whiff at it. And okay. if it smells fishy, you've made your diagnosis. But most of the time, if they're complaining of symptoms, they're complaining of odor, and they're negative on like the other tests, like GC chlamydia and all that stuff, you're pretty much going to treat them as if they had BV, so... BV is bacterial vaginosis. But you, what you wouldn't do is invite your boss into the room and then wave a Q-tip under his nose saying, here, smell this. No, that's pretty frowned upon. Yeah. I mean, I encounter a, what's the best way to say it? A grand bouquet of numerous smells at work. Yeah, this, this is largely a bad smell podcast. Yes, and I would definitely not tell my friends 
who I work with to come in with uh, to smell what's going on. Or your enemies. Or my enemies. But most of the time, if I know I'm going to be in a situation where something's going to smell bad, I usually prepare with a mask mm-hmm. layered with a bunch of toothpaste and then another mask on top because I don't want to smell that. Um, kind of like how we were talking about uh, previous episodes about certain smells. I forgot what it oh, like uh, Oh, C. Diff. C. Diff. Yeah. Horrible smell. If I knew I was walking in rooms with that situation, I'd have a mask on right away. Like, there's certain smells you just don't want to run into, and that's one of those smells that makes me really happy I'm not an OB guy. <laughs> that that was our moment of levity in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Uh, God, it was terrible. Before uh, before they start discussing that this patient might have Munchausen's. Yeah. Uh, Munchausen uh, is something that has been on netflix a lot recently well that's different so there's that's munchausen, munchausen by proxy correct. this is munchausen munchausen right where basically it's doing self-harm to get secondary gain or making it look like a medical problem to get secondary gain so to get attention from doctors correct. or or from some from anyone mm-hmm. and usually it's the nice way that people try to put it into charts now is like overutilization of medical services to the point of harm Mm-hmm. Um, because if you use that, it doesn't sound as bad as saying you have Munchausen. Right. A lot of medicines trying to move away from eponyms to not associate, making you memorize uh, sicknesses associated with one person mm-hmm. instead actually making a diagnosis where it is what it is. So an overutilization of healthcare services is actually a good way to kind of write in your note as a wink, wink, nod, nod. If anyone can ever get access to your notes in a different health system, mm-hmm. so. I mean, people were saying she injected herself with the medicine. She was there four visits in a month. She had posted notes all over her house about various doctor right. visits. And House makes a weird statement saying a person with Munchausen will drink battery acid to make themselves feel bad. And it's not necessarily true because battery acid is very obvious. Mm-hmm. Whereas savvier Munchausen people will figure out other ways to make them ill or present with symptoms to make it look like a real thing and confuse doctors. Generally, would you consider... How how savvy are Munchausen... Or I'm sorry, uh, the, the people with this, this with condition or, 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 or Munchausen yeah. uh, by proxy? Uh, depends how much research they do. Yeah. So, like, some people will do a lot of research or over-research and say, like, my patient has... Or my kid, if, I, if you want to do Munchausen by proxy, like, has this sickness. Mm-hmm. And it could be... As, or they get seizures all the time. And it could be as simple as them getting so much salt through whatever means they can to induce that. And that was actually a case with a mommy blogger mm-hmm. who said her kid was super, super sick, had a G-tube put in. And then every day she would flush a bunch of salt into the G-tube and actually make oh that goodness. kid have hypernatremic seizures and stuff like that. <sighs> or inject them with insulin to the point where they have very low glucose and then pass out and then have seizures too. Um, one case I had where we were pretty sure with Munchausen was a mom who would say her kid's G-tube would clog up and break on a monthly basis. And the reason why we knew it was BS was one night we saw her jamming chicken tenders down the G-tube to try to try feed it. him, quote unquote. You can't see me doing the finger yeah. quotes, but that's what she did. And she would do that constantly or just rip it out while the balloon was still inflated oh and goodness. cause issues like that. And the only reason where we caught her was we had a sitter outside the room and actually saw her doing all that stuff. But she wasn't savvy enough to realize that that was a guy who was spying for yeah. us. So 
Munchausen is just really one of those very hard diagnoses, but you never want to hang your hat on it. You want to diagnose by, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Mm -hmm. You got to make sure you're treating all the bad stuff first and not just going into a room and saying, you're crazy. You need a psychiatric consult. Get out of my hospital. Which is what Foreman basically decided Cam he wanted to do. Yeah, that, and but Foreman. Cameron actually mm -hmm. walked in and she actually said that to them was, you're you're crazy. You don't need to be here. You're faking everything. And then leaves a bottle of rifampin on the on the table for her. Mm -hmm. And what is rifampin? It's an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. you, well, it's one of the principal antibiotics you use to treat tuberculosis. And the reason that that she left it was it that makes, it makes your pee orange. Right. It's and a, apparently, at least on house, your your tears. Yes, I remember that was a prank we did in med school. I <laughs> uh, had a a story of someone I know who, who this was. Decades ago, who was a pharmacist mm -hmm. uh, who did the same thing with a something that made your pee turn blue because mm -hmm. somebody kept stealing so stealing people's drinks. So we also did that too. It was uh, it's called methylene blue. Yep, it makes your pee very blue, and it's hilarious. So it's actually a really fun fun prank. And methylene blue doesn't really cause any badness to except you. for blueness. Except for blue, you pee. blew yourself. Yes. And, oh god, but that that's the fun one to do. Because it's, it's relatively harmless, and it will freak everybody out. So, you know... As I, so, well, I do have a yeah um, a question of something that happens a lot on house. Okay. And that is, your doctors go to your house. Go to your home yeah. to check out your living situation and see if they can figure out what's wrong with you based on mm -hmm. the stuff under your sink. Correct. And in reality... No. Ever. No. I think the only time I've actually had anyone go to someone's house was to look for a DNR. I do not, not resuscitate. Correct. Um, because, especially for older people, you don't want to save them if it means it's going to cause them harm or they don't right. want to be alive. So EMS will actually go to their house while they're, you know, a patient's down or whatnot. While they're running CPR, they might have another group look for a DNR form. Hmm. If, and most of the time we tell them, hey, you should put a DNR form attached to your fridge. And actually, that's what most older people with DNR forms do is they'll put it on their fridge. So that if something, God forbid, happens, they can find that and actually end it there. Because you don't want it in, in a drawer somewhere that it can't doesn't be found. that can't be found until three weeks later yeah. when you, somebody's you know, going to get your underwear. Later, House accepts that the patient has aplastic anemia and Munchausen. But I would say if a patient did have aplastic anemia, they would be pale as a ghost. Right, which we basically saw start happening shortly after aplastic anemia started being discussed. Correct. It, so it, it wouldn't, if they were symptomatic at all, mm -hmm. you'd see the paleness. Yeah, their lips would be pale. She so anemia is generally low iron in your blood, right? It's low hemoglobin. Low hemoglobin in your blood. Yeah. What is aplastic anemia? Anemia versus other types. So aplastic anemia basically means your bone marrow is not making any viable blood cells. Okay. So red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, none of them are good. And you're basically an immunocompromised person. You have no immune system. You're not going to function. You can't fight off infections or anything like that. So if that was the case, and a spoiler alert towards the end of the episode, if this is what was going on, she should have been really sick and like, sickly ill dying Ill. Mm -hmm. and she wasn't and then they kind of boot her out they boot her out but before that mm -hmm. uh house gets to run some Test. some tests on any extra blood yeah they have. and the blood number one yeah how often if i'm in the hospital for 16 hours okay 
how much extra blood of mine will there be lying around loose outside of my body? So here's the thing. If you came into the ER and I just go, can you get me a rainbow? Um, which was a common term that we would say at another, at one of my hospitals I used to work at. They would just get every tube of, like, every top of a blood collecting tube has a different color. Right. Based I, on, is that based on what you're testing it for? Correct. So I just told them, get me a rainbow on this patient and save some just in case. Because So if, they would do that. They would if you asked for it. Right. Yeah. So there's always a chance you can have an extra tube or two lying around. But the preservative in each tube is different. So you can't run all the tests on a random tube because the preservative that keeps the blood from coagulating or breaking down or whatever test you're looking for um, affecting that uh, blood breakdown from causing false values in that test would would mess everything up. Hmm. But the tube that House used was essentially a lumbar puncture tube with maybe a cc of blood, quote-unquote yeah. blood. If that was the tube that they used, that blood should have been clotted by at that point. Yeah, because it, it was there was nothing in the tube except for the blood, yep. which was bright red. Bright red, watery. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it was uh, unjello jello. Correct. And so they run a bunch of blood tests and they said, oh, his, her EBV titers were positive. And the problem with checking EBV titers, there's multiple values associated with it that can tell you if it's an old infection or a new infection well they, they then they found out that it wasn't even her blood that they ran because mm, the, of the sickle cell though if she was taking certain he he, he did specifically say what's well, it could that no that with it it was sickle cell and that no. that it, she he so, house said that it wasn't hers so the other thing that they were trying to say was it was because it was fetal hemoglobin and only mm-hmm. sickle cell patients make fetal hemoglobin which is not true because if you have aplastic anemia you might make weird fetal hemoglobin okay too. so that's the weirder part there but then as the episode progresses they kick her out and cuddy says i signed her discharge paper she's out mm-hmm. i've never heard anyone signing discharge papers and it was funny because they were mentioning how no one has signed any of their discharge summaries for a year and that stuff you need to finish within like i think a week or 72 hours to a week after discharge because it's really hard to recap an entire patient's stay a year later right i hate discharge summaries that's why i'm an er doctor i never have to do discharge summaries ever because it's like writing a novel, like system by system, what happened in each system, how you treated, what the follow-up plan is, so that the next time they get admitted, someone can read their discharge summary and see what so happened that during the Jackson can read their discharge summary next time they're there. Yes. And this is a patient that should have a very extensive discharge summary mm-hmm. with the mention of the word Munchausen mm-hmm. in it, which is essentially what this patient had. But... Before we got to that final diagnosis, House had to play a little bit more with her. Right. Uh, so what he did was he injected her with insulin yep. to give her a seizure. Yep. And then... Colchicine. Uh, Colchicine mm-hmm. uh, to give her the symptoms of the aplastic, aplastic anemia that mm-hmm. he believed she had. Correct. Um, I'm guessing that's frowned upon. A little bit, yeah. Colchicine is used for gout. And if you overdose someone, that actually does wipe out their blood, their bone marrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically try to kill her two ways. First a, with the seizure. With the seizure, by dropping her glucose super low. And then B, by knocking out her entire immune system again. And that kind of messes everything up right there. Um, they all Now everyone's in agreement. Oh yeah, she clearly has a plastic anemia because she's bruising. She has immunosuppression. Um, so they... 
try to irradiate her. Yeah, they, her. they irradiate her by sticking her in a room that's you know four feet, four inches of lead by four inches of lead, and give her a uh, fantasy breastplate with a belly button. Yeah, that I'm pretty sure they stole that from one of the the old like a Valkyrie movie. Almost. Yeah, because it was just a breastplate with like full on shapely breastplate yeah. with boobs and, and a belly button. and a belly button. And I've never seen anything like that. I know I have radiation oncology friends, and I'm pretty sure they've not done anything like that at mm-hmm. all. There are times, though, when you do need to do very guided, directed radiation. They will wear a mask, but the mask itself is kind of shaped to your face, but nothing to that extent where it mm-hmm. is essentially a boot plate. Or a breastplate, right? I guess. Technical terms, obviously. <laughs> but while she's in the room, House is like being super creepy and lying in her bed and sniffing her. Like, yeah, you know, he he sniffed the he smelled sweetness on the pillow, mm-hmm. and so he sniffed her clothes and bra, mm-hmm. and recognized that this was a bacterial infection because it smelled sweet. Yeah, they said that she had. Um... Clostridium perfringens, mm-hmm. and that was one that I remembered learning in microbiology as a very disgusting one. Um, and they usually don't live because they are so sick, and it causes something called gas gangrene. So you guys know gas gangrene is exactly like it sounds. Yeah, so you know what gangrene is, right? Gangrene is your your body's rot- rotting while you're alive, basically. Correct. But it also causes bubbles on top of your skin. But also in between your muscle layers, too. So actually when you feel their skin, it'll feel very crackly, almost like Rice Krispies. Mm. Um, And then it's described as a putridly sweet smell, Mm -hmm. which is kind of why I think House described it as a... Grapey. Grapey smell. Um, I've never smelled gas gangrene before. I smelled regular gangrene, and it's horrible. Oh, yeah. Someone made a really good point that this was basically... It was a callback to... It was a callback to the jelly. The strawberry jelly. Now you have grapey, putrid smell. Uh, so this episode is sponsored by Smuckers. Correct. Oh, Smuckers is such a bad name for jam if you think about it. <laughs> like, who wants to eat something called Smuckers? Like, if you're trying to think of something, like, really tasty and whatnot, Smuckers is not the word. And now with the word gas gangrene associated with Smuckers, that just is even worse. I know they're never going to be a sponsor. It's yeah. fine. Um, but it is not one where patients look well mm-hmm. they look really sick so the, it sounds like it'd also be incredibly painful even more painful well, than at, at that point if you're already showing signs of gas gangrene which she was actually showing with the with the, the bruising? bruising um she should be very septic and dying mm-hmm. at this point and they attributed it to her getting um Getting a course of antibiotics as part of the earlier test. Yeah, which doesn't fix this right away. Like, they said, oh, let's give her Augmentin. Um, the real treatment is just penicillin. Augmentin is a type of penicillin, but you don't definitely don't want to just start with oral antibiotics for someone like this. You want to start with very broad antibiotics, at least at first, or a little something IV first, you mm-hmm. know? Um, the other things you need to do is you can you need to cut out all that bad tissue, you know, because that's all necrotic gangrenous tissue right you got to get all of that out and then there are studies where you can do hyperbaric oxygen to actually help facilitate Hmm. healing but really you got to get rid of all that bad tissue and of course because this is a christmas episode it ends on a high note yeah she goes to another doctor she goes to another doctor while the charlie brown music is playing yes and looks for more 
uh, help. Yes. Even though she needs a different kind of help than the help that she's searching for. Right. Um, she goes for more uh, physical treatment as opposed to psychological treatment. Yeah, and she definitely needs a lot more psychological treatment. It was just... This is the frustrating part when you deal with those Munchausen patients is just... you're a lot, of, Especially for ER positions, um, you're starting a lot of time from square one. Unless this is a patient that's been to the emergency department a lot, you're, you're pretty much just helpless and you're going to treat them as if it's the world. And most of the times... Even if we did have the diagnosis of Munchausen, we would still be working them up from scratch trying to figure out what's going on because this might be the time where it actually is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you can never assume 100% that they're faking, but you can definitely assume 75% that they're faking, but there's still that 25% that it could still be real. Mm-hmm. And that's the scariest part about some of these patients. There was just one one little toss out as they were doing the diagnostic stuff mm-hmm. that stuck out for me. Okay, uh, And... That was when House wanted to do venous sampling. Oh, God. But that was deemed to be too dangerous. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But to me, venous sampling would just mean I'm getting a sample from a vein. Correct. That doesn't sound dangerous. No. Okay. No, it doesn't. I mean, if they said arterial sampling, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a little more painful. Mainly because that vessel's a lot thicker, so you actually have to... The needle going in actually hurts a lot more. Venus sampling, it shouldn't hurt that much. And I don't know why everyone was it's being... Just, just a regular blood draw. Yeah. And they did it all episode already, too. Mm-hmm. What's-His-Face was calling out every single test he can think of. Foreman. Every single test he can think of. And how, half of those tests he was calling out were probably just Venus testing. Maybe she just ran out of veins. So that is actually a really big problem. Um, it's a real problem with uh, IV drug users. Mm-hmm. We run out of veins that we can because use. Because you, you generally only want to use the big ones that are on your arms or, or yeah, your leg. Yeah, no, but when they get desperate, mm-hmm. any vein's a good vein. So mm-hmm. scalp veins, they'll find a vein in their scalp. Toes. Oh, wow. Feet. Um, the, tiny, the tiniest veins, they'll try to go for it. And the problem is the more times you use it, it's going to scar. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to the tiny ones and we're out... The only way left is a bone drill. Right. You don't want to use that unless you really, really have to. And the problem with that, too, is the places where we would go for a bone drill, if they inject or do skin popping over that, we can't use it. So have, running out of veins is actually a legitimate problem, and it's a scary problem. But yeah. Uh, there, there goes that joke. Why? Sorry, guys. Well, no, what that, joke no, that was the use? joke, the running out of veins. I mean, it's true. You can't actually run out of veins. It's, like, legitimately the nightmare of an ER. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah. Well, with that... Are you going to ask the horrible question? I've got a horrible question for you, and that is... The human centipede oh, builds itself as 100% medically accurate. Sure. If that's true, how medically accurate is... The episode of House called Deception. You know it's pretty on par, right? Like, just kind of watching, you'd have to agree, too. It's pretty on par with Human Centipede Medical. I... Or would you say it's less? I would say it's less because of the fact that it was throwing out so much terminology that didn't seem to fit. Okay, so... Like the Venus. That stuff, yes. Um, The Alphabet Soup stuff, I think, fit pretty Mm -hmm. well because they actually were using legitimate terms and whatnot so a lot of it kind of fit the ct scan obviously no but that's just technical Mm -hmm. like special effects kind of deal it's kind of like like with the angles of of 
giving an injection at a right angle. Correct. It's just something that's going to happen. I mean, I'd say it's probably 95 to 90, 90-95%. It's close. Like, I would say, it, actually, no. I'd say it's 100%, only in terms of human centipede. Because human centipede, we all know, is not it, it, 100% medically accurate. So then why was it on the posters? Touche. I mean, what? Thank you. Going, Thank you. Going mouth to butt? Yeah. I mean, if you haven't heard that episode yet, you really got to hear that one. It's yeah, they, they, that's your Christmas Day episode, folks. That is actually, you know, gather the kids yeah, around, get, get the family together, watch watch the movie first as yeah. homework, and then yep. watch and then listen to our episode. Yeah, again. around a roaring fire. Yes, uh, hopefully with an empty stomach. No, it's better with a full stomach. It makes <laughs> it, it just more no fun. eggnog, no eggnog. Yes, but it makes it more fun. So, so you'd say that this was. Pretty spot on by by our highly scientific scale. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's very few things. I, w- I mean, there's a few things I would probably change. Mm-hmm. But the frustration of Cameron talking to a Munchausen patient is basically what all of us want to say, but we can't say it. Because um, I get it. It's the most frustrating thing to deal with someone who you know is faking, but you can't tell them into their face. Mm-hmm. So that part, is, that part hits home, especially for someone who works with in situations where we deal with patients like that all the time. Um, I would say the one thing that you would probably need to change to make it look more gross is just the superfrinogens mm-hmm. kind of um, man- manifestation because that's actually one that would make it look a lot more fun. Also, clostridium perfrinogens is also related to clostrid- clostridium difficile. Ah, which is so we're doing a theme. Yes, <laughs> it's the clostridium month, <laughs> but it's the same as C. diff. It's in the same um, family as C. diff, so... But you can actually make it a lot more realistic just by making it grosser. What about, and this is a question I often have mm-hmm. with with how specifically, uh-huh. the politics. Mm-hmm. The Cuddy, the, the director, mm-hmm. um, because of mistakes that were made previously, mm-hmm. promoted mm-hmm. House's subordinate above him mm-hmm. for a month to teach him a lesson. Yeah, I don't. I, as a lowly doctor on the totem pole, I don't know that as well. I hear about it, but I don't know much about it, okay. so I can't really help you on that part. Okay, that's my political answer too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the I, if it happens, you don't hear about it, and that's your story, and you're sticking to it. I mean, it's true though. I really don't know what happens. Like, I just work and stuff like that. And the internal politics is one of those things that I try to keep my my head out of. Because I am just there to see patients and make sure they're better. So mm-hmm. that's my big... So, question number two. Mm-hmm. If you were going to write, rewrite this episode to be mm-hmm. more medically accurate while keeping the stakes high, mm-hmm. are there changes you would make? Make C. diff look... Or not C. diff. But... C. perfringens look worse. Because mm-hmm. that would make the stakes different. Because essentially what House did by injecting her with colchicine to suppress her bone marrow was a death sentence at that point. Mm-hmm. So that stakes... If they showed... It would have been a death, death sentence even before they started to ra- radiate her. Correct. Because her bone marrow was already down, right? Mm-hmm. She had like pretty much nothing left. That was actually a death sentence for her. Like, she would have been overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly septic at that point. And they probably should have given her antibiotics before they did the irradiation too. Just to be on the safe side? Yeah, especially if they had any other findings that would make them think that she has an infection. Mm-hmm. So that was a big concern right there too. Also, gas gangrene, if you had all those, like, bubbles mm-hmm. already on your body, her clothes would have been just soaked through with goo. With, ew, gross. Like, purple, grapey goo. And I'm surprised. We so, grape smuckers, not 
no. strawberry smuckers. No. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it is a jammy episode. Yeah. It's jam-packed with facts, guys. God, terrible. It's all bad. So bad. But yeah. I, I think that's the big things that would change the stakes with. The Munchausen part, that all is like pretty, a pretty good way to represent it without offending the Munchausen population, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. And maybe not have the house visit, the home visit, because it... That's breaking added, and entering? It's breaking and entering Correct. and added nothing except for us seeing that house doesn't care about his life so he doesn't wear a helmet. Correct. Yep. That is it. Cool. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's a good... I mean, it didn't feel like a Christmas episode until the end. And I When we saw Christmas trees? Yes, correct. It was... I mean, they always have good Christmas episodes. This one was just the one that kind of hit home a little more. Yeah. Little, a little less Christmassy, but a good episode. It was a good episode. Yeah. I agree. Yep. All right. Um, well, we will try to be back next week for you folks. We've got holidays going on. Um, so we'll let you know if anything changes. Uh, if you're listening to this before Christmas and you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or whatever ones that you celebrate. Whatever, cele- whatever celebratory mood you are in as you listen to this episode. Yep. All right. Thanks, folks. Thank you. Bye.